0: what's up everybody this off-season train is still rolling and this time i'm talking about 10 players that surprised me the most this season Uh, you know be it poor performances or out of nowhere performances we need to deep dive into this and see what the hell was going on you with me i know you are let's get to biz this is apples and genos you're listening to cream of the crop Host Blake Creamer. Go ahead and give me a follow on Twitter at Blake Creamer AG and also get your biscuits into the Apples and Geno's discord where you can talk with like-minded fantasy managers, just a bunch of beautiful people talking about fantasy hockey. Oh my God, it feels good. Yeah, fantasy hockey discord. That's, you know, that that's an interesting piece. And I know you're all with me because you're listening to the podcast. But yeah, I mean, do you ever talk to, you know, your significant other or your friends about fantasy hockey and they just get that glazed overlooked? They're like, w- what the hell? W- what, what's wrong with you? And you're like, nothing's wrong with me. Something's wrong with you. All right. You're not into fantasy hockey. What the hell are you doing? Um. I, yeah, I'm just rambling on now um yeah we're gonna keep going here please uh you know one thing too please consider giving the pod a rating that really helps us out um gets this business out to the masses so that we can crush our fantasy hockey enemies all right just crush them crush their spirits you know um that's that's what we like to do here so anywho yeah let's get into this episode i'm excited about it we're gonna do top 10 surprises yeah and there was a ton of them it was just a weird season as you all remember so um To be honest, there were some other players, uh, you know, I've given you this top 10 list, but there were some other players that surprised me, you know, maybe a little more. um, But some of them were kind of obvious. So I wanted to do an episode of players that maybe hadn't been talked about as much. So keep that in mind with my list here. Um, You know, also, after you're done listening, hit me up on Twitter. What do you think of these players that I chose? And also, who were your surprise players? Just just at me. Give me an at on Twitter. Let's get into it. I like doing that, but... um, I digress. Let's get into the top 10 players that surprised me in 2022 23. Let's do it. First player I want to talk about, Zachary Hyman. Zid's dead, baby. Zed's dead. Of the Edmonton Oilers. Um, yeah, this, this man had a great season, no question. 83 points in 79 games. Hello. Yeah. That's uh, that's a great season for Hyman after he you know, popped for 54 points in 76 games in 2021. So, um, obviously, a bit of a breakout season for Zach Hyman, and I, I wanted to dive in and take a look at what happened there. So, you know, I definitely expected a few more points out of this man. Anyone in the top six in Edmonton, right? It's, it's a great place to be. But he went off. There's no question, and it starts with his landing spot on the number one power play in Edmonton. There's no question there. In one season, he went from a 53 power play, 53 uh, percent power play share to a 71 percent power play share in Edmonton. That's huge, especially when you're cooking at 32 percent the way Edmonton did this past season. It, their power play was nuclear. It just it wasn't. It wasn't even close. They were the, by far the best power play in the league. They were just, it was an insane conversion. This group was able to accomplish this last season. So for Hyman in particular, he went from 10 power play points in 2021 to 26 power play points, including 15 power play goals. That's, that's excellent, right? He was obviously a supplemental piece to this group, right? He wasn't the main factor, you know, pumping points in there, but his presence allowed the others to go off, right? Guys like Nuge, fifty-three points. Hello, oh my God, Nuge! It's not going to happen again, my man. I'm sorry, but you know, it, Hyman's presence basically kept kept this this uh, this train rolling. At, I'm going to use that for the second time in the episode, and I'm fine with it. But uh, in terms of Hyman, he also improved significantly at even strength. So so he was better on the power play and better at even strength. At even strength, he had his highest shots on goal per 60 and individual scoring chances for per 60 of his career and the second highest individual course he fought per 60. So those are the metrics we like here at Apples and Geno's just in trying to predict players and Hyman smashed all of them, right? His individual scoring chances for per 60 was also good enough at all strengths to place him sixth overall in the entire league. He was, so he's getting a ton of chances and, and clearly, you know, he was a recipient of some amazing plays and passing and rebounds because his line mates for most of the season, Connor McDavid and Dreisaitl. Hello. 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 Oh my God. Like nutty deployment. That's what we call plum deployment, right? So, yeah, clearly he's going to be getting a ton of scoring chances just cleaning up the garbage from those two guys or, or you know, being the recipient of those passing plays, as I said. So I thought as well there, there's some room for improvement for Hyman with his shooting percentage. This uh, shooting percentage that he had was the second lowest mark of his career, and he was still cooking, right? Um, high scoring chances that he had, you know, six overalls, I said, should equal higher scoring percentages. So he was a little bit unlucky at even strength with his conversion rates. So that's, that's kind of something that I think we need to take notice of, and, and I like to see a little bit. So, I mean, just for reference, in 2021-22, at even strength, his shooting percentage was 1138 And last season, uh, this great season that he had, his shooting percentage at even strength, 7.77, right? So it actually went down. And the previous four seasons, he was up over double digits. So I think that that can, you know, get back to double digits at the very least. So that means more goals at even strength. So that's kind of a comfortable place to be with Hyman, right? Also, his on-ice shooting percentage improved uh, from last season or 2021, 7.4% to almost 11%. Right? That's massive as well. And it's obviously going to go up playing with the players he was playing with. Right? And when your on ice shooting percentage goes up, that means your points are going to go up. Right? Your, your line mates, when you're on the ice, their shooting percentage is going up. So you're getting more assists, you're getting more points. One thing that's interesting about Hyman, he was just not this player in Toronto. So he, he's clearly taking advantage of the circumstance he finds himself in in Edmonton. He's he's uh, he's playing the role that he was brought in to do, and he's he's thriving there. And I think as long as he's in Edmonton's top six, I think his floor has risen significantly, and these stats seem sustainable to me, all right? Obviously, power play deployment's going to be huge. I don't see why they would take him out of there, especially with the success that they had last season. Something that is interesting is the addition of Connor Brown, Um You know, I'm not saying that he is going to displace Hyman, but, you know, certainly not on the power play, but maybe at even strength, right? I think that we just keep an eye out for it, right? I I have this suspicion that they want to try Connor Brown with McDavid at some point, but who knows, right? We're going to have to wait for training camp to see what the lines look like for now. I'm full steam ahead with Hyman. I think there could be some minor regression in shots on goal and and scoring chances for, but I think his shooting percentage should rise up as well. It should all balance out in the end, and I think we're going to see a similar season from Hyman coming up. So, yeah, get him in your life. Zach Hyman, big surprise. Love it, and uh, I think he's going to be a staple in that power play. Book it. Let's move on. Next player, number two, Big Tage Thompson. Hello, Mr. Thompson. I think he's talking to you. Yeah. We you know, we can't talk about surprises in this last season without talking about this man. It was a big season from Tage and definitely surprising. I think we were all just excited and pleased. Uh I was with Tage Thompson's performance in 2021, you know, uh 68 points in 78 games including 38 goals. That's great. That's that's excellent. Uh you know, um it's it was a breakout season for Tage Thompson in 2021. But You know, that seemed like such a win for the Sabres and the future's obviously bright. Well, who the hell pegged Tage for the incendiary season that he had last year? How about 94 points in 78 games? Dear God! You know, that's excellent. Obviously, we like that. Tage played with Alex Tuck, who was a surprise himself, and Jeff the twirly-woo Skinner for the majority of the last two seasons. So you can't really point to his line mates as a potential catalyst for this breakthrough either. I believe that Tage is a player who legitimately just broke through, and and this is the player he is now, or he's closer to this player now. He just looked so confident last season. His highlight package was ridiculous, just so fun to watch. And the advanced metrics that we use here at Apples and Genos all say the same thing, right? So check this out. Tage was at all strength seventh overall in shots and goal per 60. Seven minute A. Seventh overall in the league in individual course, he 4 per 60 and 19th overall in individual scoring chances, 4 per 60. His luck metrics, um, IPP and shooting percentage were career highs as well. The IPP, he was cooking at an elite rate, 80% and shooting percentage, 15.8%. Yeah. Running high, running hot, but honestly, it wouldn't surprise me to see Tage as a high conversion guy, routinely scoring on 15% and higher on his chances moving forward in a season. We're going to have to see, you know, how that all pans out, but in 2021, he shot 15% as well. In 2022, he shot 15.8. So not a crazy positive regression, something that th- this might be the kind of player that he is. You know, he's he's getting a lot of goals in tight, you know, high danger chances, right? So you're going to get a higher shooting percentage when, when those are a lot of the goals you're scoring on, right? Especially on the power play. And speaking of power plays, speaking of segues, he had a huge performance on the power play as well. 34 power play points, 20 power play goals. Nuts. All right. Peanuts. Um, Buffalo's power play in general was ninth overall in power play percentage up from 24. They they were 24th in 2021 and they were ninth overall last season. So obviously it wasn't just Tage. Rasmus Dahlin broke through. Jeff Skinner got back to his ways. Alex Tuck had an amazing season. Casey Middlestad even. They all played roles there, but Tage was driving the bus. That status is a surprise to me. Ninth overall from twenty-four. Right? I don't think we predicted that for Buffalo, and that was a huge factor in a lot of the Buffalo players' success this season. For Tage, his on ice shooting percentage, it seems sustainable to me as well, and might even go up at even strength, giving more points to this guy. I just, I'm very excited about Tage. I think people are going to be rushing to the, you know, rushing to the table to, to pick this man up. I, I don't think he's. a—I mean, ugh, I don't know. I'm going to have to see where the ADP comes out. Is he a late first rounder, like second rounder, mid-second rounder? I, I think you gotta talk about Tage in that conversation. I'm not sure if he hits the first round, but maybe I oh got I don't know. Um we're gonna have to wait and see what the ADPs come out in Yahoo, but I think early second round, mid-second round is probably where you need to be drafting Tage. Because I honestly, like I said, I think this is sustainable. And I've completed a few projections. Um, I've talked about this a little bit. But I am going to be releasing projections prior to the season start um, with Nate. It's going to be really fun. Because Nate always does his projections for Apples and Genos. And I've got some cooking as well. And something we're going to do, this is a little off topic. But something we're going to do is compare projections. And that's going to be super fun. So this is one of the guys I've already projected. And I have him projected for 95 points next season including 52 big ones, 52 Genos. Yeah, Um, I love that. I mean, I'll get you more information on these projections, but yeah, big stuff incoming from this man. Book it. Love love me some, Tage. Let's move on. The third player I was surprised with, Vince Dunn. Yeah, of the Seattle Kraken. Honestly, just a, a very unexpected, underrated, great season by Vince Dunn. 64 points in 81 games with 15 of those on the power play out of nowhere. All right. Vince done. I, you know what? Well, hey, huh? Get ready for a surprise. Ah! Ah! It, it, it's, it's shocking to me. You know, he's coming off in 2021, a 35 point performance in 73 games, you know, uh, obviously a very serviceable defenseman, but I don't think anyone expected him to pop off for 64 points. Um, and and have ice time just under 24 minutes average time on ice. He was the, the go-to guy on Seattle there for ice time, that's for sure. But most of his damage that that Dunn did, Dunn did, was done. <laughs> this is getting confusing. Most of the damage that Dunn did was done at even strength. And if you look at Seattle as a team, they had an excellent year at even strength with their team metrics, right? So uh, I was I was digging into this. Seattle as a team were number one in shooting percentage at even strength and number two in goals four per 60. So that tracks, right? They, they, you know, they were converting at a ridiculous rate and Vince Dunn was one of those guys. He shot a scorching 10.74 as a D man, right? That's a career high. Um, along with a really weird stat, his second worst shots on goal per 60 rate that he's ever had in his career. So, he's converting at a ludicrous rate and he's not shooting as much. That that's just that's very strange. So, um he was running hot as was the rest of the team and another player that I'm going to talk about as a surprise later on. But Seattle was a good team last year and obviously they've developed, you know, massively over their first two seasons, but this is not something I see happening again with Dunn or the Kraken. I think he and his team just hit lightning in a bottle and you know, as I mentioned before, he did get an ice time bump going from 20 minutes and 41 seconds average time on ice to 23:40 average time on ice, so that's always valuable, especially for counting stats. He did have reasonable perifs Vince Dunn. I mean, last season 115 hits and 80 blocks. That's great. That's what we want to see. So categories or banger waiting in a points league, you know, Dunn is going to give you that, and he's out there on the ice to to help you with those counting stats. So that's again, that's very valuable. I think those are going to continue, but I see Dunn more as a 50 point D man tops. I don't see this happening again. Maybe this is the player he is now, but I'd need to see more than I'd need to see him do it in more than just one season. Players that, um, and I'll I'll mention this—you'll hear me talk about this, you know, in future episodes as well. But players that are this efficient—they give me pause, and they should give you pause because what happens when that efficiency goes away for whatever reason, right? If they're running hot and they're converting at a crazy rate, you know, there are many factors that can happen that could equal that rate to go down right? That shooting percentage to go down. So when that happens, for whatever reason, points go away, right? So if you're relying on crazy efficiency for your points, that's uh, that's a slippery slope, right? So I think that's likely what happens with Dunn next season. His metrics show a player who's likely going to be on your fantasy team, at least your third or fourth D, um, but it's a great season, a big surprise, and I think he's going to be overdrafted, certainly because of it, because I, I don't, this is not a player that I'm I'm going to be targeting in my fantasy drafts, okay? Let's keep going. Number four, a player that surprised me and pissed me off, Sam Reinhart. Yeah, of the Florida Panthers. Let's talk about Sammy. After an 82-point season with Florida last season, uh, or in 2021, I think most of us expected a similar performance upcoming with Reinhart. And he tested our patience a little bit, didn't he? With uh, you know, He had an insanely slow start. 29 points in his first 44 games, sheesh. All right, that was rough. Um, He did pick it up and finish strong with 38 points in the last 38 games to finish up, but I actually saw him dropped in a couple spots, and I got a lot of questions on this man, and that was a surprise. That was a major surprise, because if you look at Reinhardt's season prior, 82 points in 78 games, um, you know, a great shooting percentage, 177 he had 31 power play points. Like, it, things things look good for this man. He's got a lot going for him, and Florida as a team had so much going for them in 2021, at least offensively, and then they decided to make a coaching change, and we, we all saw what happened and, and even how it kind of righted itself in the playoffs, but yeah, it was just a surprise to me that I was even talking about Reinhardt as a drop and and having to field those questions. Something that's uh, similar with some of the other players I've talked about, it, With Reinhardt, it was at even strength where he really kind of fell off, right? He shot a piddly 6.87% after, you know, shooting over 10% at even strength the season before. And it was 14% the season before that. So he's usually—he's generally a good converter, Sam Reinhardt. And this season, at least, he was able to save his numbers because of his power play shooting percentage, right? But I think this even strength number, uh, the 6.87, that's going to regress positively, equaling more goals at even strength— I really do think that's going to be upcoming this season here. And Florida as a team, it was weird. They were almost the opposite of Seattle. They were third in the league in Corsi 4 per 60, first overall in shots 4 per 60, second in expected goals 4 per 60, and second in scoring chances 4 per 60. So we're talking tons of pucks at the net, tons of shots, best in the league, um, second in expected goals 4, right? And then all, you know second best in scoring chances. You look at that; they were only twentieth overall in shooting percentage. That's brutal, right? That's just that's what you call being snake bitten, right? They had terrible luck. They couldn't put the puck in the net at a rate that matched their other metrics. Reinhardt was a victim of that as well. I do think, though, there's still lots to like about Reinhardt and the Panthers this upcoming season. For that exact reason, right? The regression of that shooting percentage. the 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 talent uh, level is still the same. Their top six is still the same. Um, They obviously showed out in the playoffs, right? Reinhardt in particular, his deployment is solid, and it climbed from 2021 to uh, he was averaging 1746 average time on ice to last season, 1947 time on ice, and that continued in the playoffs. He saw just under 22 minutes of action on a nightly basis in the playoffs. Plus, he's a staple on the top power play unit, which cooked At 23%, that was good enough for 10th overall in the entire league. That should improve as well when the shooting percentage normalizes as I think it will, right? I think things are looking up for Reinhardt. I think we'll be able to get him at value come draft season because he pissed a lot of people off. And due to his lower output, I'm valuing Reinhardt closer to 80-point pace that he had a couple seasons ago. Like I said, it was a surprise to me that he became somewhat droppable uh, player around the halfway point of the season after being a fairly high draft pick Um, in one of my leagues, uh, one of my favorite leagues, my longest running league um a guy dropped him after the it, it, I think it was like the first month of the season and I snapped him up immediately and then I suffered you know the next couple months too while he was dicking around um but he did end up it ended up being worth it right he, he normalized a little bit but I think he's got a lot more to give and I'm I'm in on the Panthers next season I think you're going to be able to get a lot of these guys at value let's talk about number five Travis Konechny yes Travis Konechny, uh, definitely a player I'm watching coming into the season here, and I like what I saw last year, obviously. Injuries were a big, you know, they were a problem for Konechny last season. It kept them from really popping off, but he did excellent things with the time that he had on a very bad Philly team, right? 61 points in 63 games uh, for an 83-point pace, and I think he became a feature piece for John Tortellini and his ragtag squad there. Konechny's 61 points only included 15 power play points as well. Philly's power play was putrid, second worst uh, in that category this season, right? Second worst in the league, Philly. So let's look at Travis Konechny, what he was able to do, a little deep dive here. His ice time was something that uh, definitely improved. 2021, he was cooking at 17.30, average time on ice to uh, just over 20 minutes this last season with John Tortorella. Um, Philly was obviously decimated with injuries, so. Konechny had to be relied on a lot more because of those injuries, right? He feasted. Um, I think his time on ice might regress a little bit, but I still think that he's going to get first line, first power play minutes. So, I, you know, I expect around 18, 19 minutes for Konechny. One thing about Konechny as well, his luck metrics were off the charts, right? His IPP and his shooting percentage are what I'm calling luck metrics, and I, I think that was a single defining factor for his breakthrough. He more than doubled his shooting percentage over the previous year. Um, He had 16.2%, right? And the year previous, he only shot at 7.3%. So obviously, he was converting at a higher rate. Plus, his IPP at even strength was among the best in the league. Not just career high for him, but best in the league at 86%. Those are elite numbers. He He was... the battery making, you know, powering this this team, right? He was clearly driving his line's offense and converting on his chances that he had, right? Something I like about Konechny, his shots on goal per 60 were 9.53. So he's approaching that threshold of 10 shots on goal per 60, which we like to see here at Apples and Geno's. Individual Corsi, four per 60. Individual scoring chances, four per 60. Both career highs, as was the shots and goal per 60. So I feel like that's the player he is. Those metrics, to me, are sustainable. Obviously, I'm not so confident about the shooting percentage, and I expect a negative regression there, but maybe not by much, right? I also expect the Flyers to be marginally better this season, especially with guys like Sean Couturier set to return at some point, even Cam Atkinson. And get that dingus Toad Dezlo out of there. Also, Provorov, get the hell out of my sight, you ding dong. Let's get some good culture going again here in Philly. And, you know, see what happens, right? I think they still have a really young squad. And I think gonna be he's going to be relied on in all situations to do everything again the way he was last season. And honestly, I'm a bit bullish on Konechny going into the season. I'm just waiting to see where his ADP comes out. Um, because I think he's going, he could be a really big target of mine, depending on where that goes. But the other thing with Konecny, just anecdotally, when I watch this player, he really passes the eye test. He's extremely noticeable out there. He's he's a um, he's kind of a grinder. Like he has kind of a grinder mentality. And I really like that. Plus, he's just very good offensively. I think um, seventy to eighty points is well within the range of outcomes for this player. Okay. Cool. Let's talk about another one. Another surprise player, number 6 on the list, Brandon the Bagel Hagel. Hey, no bagel, no bagel, no bagel, no bagel, no bagel. Hey, no bagel, no bagel, no bagel, no bagel, no bagel. No bagel. Yeah. It's it's uh, this is just a player I wanted to draw attention to. I I spoke about him a few times in the season. He didn't do anything spectacularly. He he just stayed underrated for the season, but Brandon Hagel scored 64 points in 81 games. Um that, that's First off, that's not was not expected. That's a surprise. But the true surprise for me with Brandon Hagel was his deployment. Um, with Tampa Bay, the talent they have there, I didn't expect Hagel to get the deployment he got. I expected him to slot in the middle six somewhere, but he got, again, plum deployment on the top line for most of the year with, with Kucherov and Braden Point. Um, Hagel, he, he cooked around 18.30 average time on ice for the season, but he wasn't a stranger to playing over 20 minutes. Uh, a night at times he got some power play two time as well he made the most of it yeah it's it's just it, it was interesting to me like as the season was going on I I just yeah I found myself talking about Hagel a little more I found myself having him on a few of my rosters here and there like he was coming off a season um in 2021 with Chicago and Tampa Bay where he collected 44 points in 77 games that's great but again, full season with Tampa Bay, 64 points in 81 games, including that deployment, including some decent power play time. Next season is going to be real interesting to, uh, with Hagel to predict. Um, you know, He's been a high shooting percentage guy so far in his career. Uh, his, his season in 2021, he shot at 20%, which is high, right? And then last season with Tampa Bay, 16.9%. So again, those are high rates. And I mentioned before, Guys that have these high shooting percentage, they give me a little bit of pause, right? What if the shots st- stop going in, right? We could be looking at a lot of zeros um, and regression because if he doesn't shoot and he doesn't generate a ton of chances, which Hagel doesn't, it, it that means we're going to get a lot less production from this player, right? Also, his ice time regressed um, negatively towards the back half of the season and he wasn't getting the same looks. He wasn't getting the same deployment. I just think he, he was very opportunistic this last season and... You know, he showed that he can play with the big boys. He showed they could be on power play one at times. And he can he can fit in on a talented line and a talented team like this. This all said, I could see a world where Hagel's game progresses even more and he improves on his metrics, right? The shots on goal. He obviously needs to shoot a little bit more for me to be truly in on Brandon Hagel, right? He was just an interesting player that, that put together a really quiet 64-point season. And he showed that he could be a first-line player on a good team. And you, you can definitely get this guy late in the later rounds of the draft. Like, if you look at Tampa Bay's lineup, where, where's Hagel going to slot in? I think there's a chance he might get that deployment again, right? Or, or at very least, in the top six, right? Maybe he's playing, you know, Daily Faceoff has him with um, Anthony Sorelli and Connor Sheary, And then on power play, uh, power play one, I think he could get power play one. Who, who else are they going to put there? I don't know. So it's just a player I'm interested in. Obviously, I want to see him improve on those advanced metrics we talked about. I think he comes with a lot of risk. And, you know, I'll probably leave him out there for another year. It's not a player I'm targeting unless he, you know, goes very late. And and he might. So this could be a good late-round flyer guy. Brandon Hagel, thank you for your service. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about another beauty. This man's name is Jared McCann. All right, we talked about Seattle as a team and how they really couldn't miss this last season, right? Um, their conversion rates were insane. McCann was no different. He M- McCann popped off for 40 goals and 70 points in 79 games with a scintillating 19.3 shooting percentage at all strengths, and that includes a gaudy 21.5 shooting percentage at even strength, the highest of his career. Okay, you know, this, this guy basically encapsulates what we talked about with Seattle, right? Not, not a ton of shots, crazy conversion, right? Um, and, and again, this is a surprise player because in 2021 with Seattle, he had 50 points in 74 games. So now he's broken out clearly. This is all career high stuff for him 70 points in 79 games. It was a great season for Jared McCann, no question about that. Let's dive in on McCann because unlike Vince Dunn, I think some of what McCann did last season is actually sustainable. McCann's shots and Corsi 4 have been approaching um, interesting numbers, right? Those numbers we look at here for our metrics. And there's also been um, some consistency there, I think. So the, there's nothing that's too high or too low, at least for McCann's base, right? I think that's good. All the, um, also, McCann's ice time is was pretty low for a player of this kind of profile he only averaged with Seattle 16 minutes and 20 seconds average time on ice. Those are that second, third line numbers, right? That's not a first line guy. Those are second, third line numbers. And he, he received even less in the playoffs. Although, you know, he was injured. He took that big hit. So maybe they were easing him back in, or maybe he wasn't fully ready to go. But I think we should value McCann as this player, the 16 minute man. I'm going to project for those numbers. And then that, that gives a lot more headroom, a lot more ceiling for McCann to really pop off. It it makes him exciting because what happens if he gets more ice time? What happens if he gets consistent time on power play one, where this last season, McCann only had a 52.8% uh, power play share. So, you know, yeah, he was getting power play one for most of the time, but it, it, wasn't, it wasn't as consistent even as last season, right? Where he had a 57% power play share. So... Is he going to get power play one on a more consistent basis? They they basically threw their lines in a blender uh, for lots of the season there in Seattle. It was the next man up mentality. They're running four lines. It it was an interesting team. It's like Moneyball over there. I don't know what the hell's going on. But again, I'm going to project McCann for this 16 minute time on ice, right, and see what comes out. And honestly, I think he'll project for maybe for less points than what he received this season at 70. But if they raise his ice time, that'll get him back to seventy. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But the, to me, it's an intriguing player as well. One I think may have broken through, found a home with Seattle. Also, his contract five mil over the next four years. That says to me that that they're gonna probably give him some opportunity, right? He's gonna he's gonna get a chance to sort of build on this last season. Forty goals is is you know there's honestly not a lot of players that get get forty goals and. Um, McCann kind of coming out of nowhere to do that. Like this, this was in his wheelhouse. Like he scored 27 the season before, but 40 goals is a really nice accomplishment. And I think it, it just depends if, if the head coach there, Hackstall is going to let him, let him cook, right? Get him out there for more ice time. Right. Cause I think, I think 40 goals might be doable again, even if his shooting percentage goes down, but we're going to need to see the ice time go up. And I think that might happen, but we'll have to wait and see. Okay. Bang. Jared McCann. Well done to you. Let's keep going. We got three more players. Thank you for sticking in with me. This is uh, it's kind of a fun episode. I, I like doing deep dives into these guys and just seeing how how this even happened. Next up, I mean, this is one I don't want to talk about too much, but we have to talk about it. Jonathan Huberdeau, what the hell? Well, why don't I drink out of a toilet bowl? What in the actual hell happened to this man? You know, we all we all know. That's why I don't want to talk about it too much, but 2021 with Florida... Amazing season, career high, 115 points. Last season with Calgary, 55 points in 79 games. That's sad trombone right there. Oh my god! Like this was depressing. It was depressing. I, I like Huberto as a player. I've always liked him. And when he popped off in 2021, I, I was like, yes, this is great. Like, good for him. um it, it was hard to watch. It was really hard to watch. Obviously, you know, this man's season was a debacle. Uh, like I said, I'm not going to talk too much on on Huberdeau because a lot's been said already. But when it comes down to surprises, this is you know probably the biggest one—a momentous downfall. Just worst-case scenario for Huberdeau and the Flames. Let's dive in. His time on ice down, way down. All right, his power play points way down. All advanced metrics that matter, the lowest or near the bottom uh, of his entire career. Something stank. In Calgary, right? And uh, I honestly think a big reason was the coach. You've probably heard me talk about it before. Daryl Sutter, that dinosaur, that old man withers, but you can't put it all on Sutter, I don't think. But obviously the culture of the team didn't appear to be healthy from the outside at least. And when you see players rescinding their trade requests, when a coach gets fired, that tells you all you need to know, right? It wasn't just one player. It was a bunch of players. And Huberto was not put in a spot to succeed, in my opinion. So that, that was rough for everybody involved. This guy's elite at passing. He's he's like one of the best in the league. And he wasn't even getting power play one consistently last season. I think throw this season away. This will not happen again, all right? This is not who Huberto is. I honestly believe he's going to be a point, a game player next season. Book it. That said, see if you can get him at value in your drafts. Or honestly, like if you're in a dynasty or keeper league, try and trade for him. Like kick tires. Um, He's going to be better than this. And he's locked into Calgary for a long time, right? He signed long term there. He has every reason to figure this out. And they still have some pieces there that can help as long as they aren't all traded away. Obviously, you know, we've heard about rumblings in Calgary, like things are not good there. But if they are traded away, guys like Lindholm and whoever else, like hopefully he can get, get some help in return. You know, I've, I've got Huberto projected as well for next season. And currently I've got him projected for 87 points. Right. And back on power play one rolling again. I just am not like th- this is an outlier. This season was the outlier. And I think it's honestly due to the environment and the coaching that he received. He was just not put in a position to succeed. I think Huberto's going to get all the power play time he wants next season because who the hell else do they have? Who are they going to put out there besides Jonathan Huberto? It doesn't make any sense. So um, we'll see him back on the power play killing. Like in his big season with Florida, he had 38 power play points. This guy is a power play specialist because of, of his ability to pass. He only had 15 power play points last season. That's ridiculous. That makes no sense, and I don't know how it was allowed to happen for the entire season. Sutter should have been fired halfway through the season, in my opinion. This is crazy stuff. But yeah, 87 points for Hubie, Um, and I feel good about that. I think you'll be able to get this man at value. I I don't know where he's going to be going. I'm, I'm interested, but I mean, is it fifth round? Is it fourth, fifth, sixth round, Jonathan Huberto? That's a slam dunk. So, yeah, I, I'm excited for Yahoo to re- release the ADP so we can see how much value we can get on him. But, yeah, I think it's going to be a, it's going to be a player I'm looking at. And honestly, like I said, in in keeper leagues or dynasty leagues, I'd be kicking tires on Huberto for sure. Next up, EP40, 80? Elias Pedersen, Elias Petterson, who the hell knows? I don't care. All right. Hell yes. This is my boy right here. Um, you know, I'm Canucks faithful through and through. I'm a tortured person. I've, I, you know, I don't know what it's like to win a cup. All right. Um, I don't know why I'm getting into that, but obviously an amazing season by Elias Pettersson. He validated our hopes and dreams. He broke through in a big way last year in a lost cause season, you know, unfortunately, but it wasn't due to lack of effort and performance from this man. Pedersen upped his shots uh, on goal per game. So, you know, in 2021, he averaged 2.4 shots a game. Last season, 3.2 shots a game. That's big. That's really key um, because his conversion rate didn't change. He maintained the conversion rate. So last season, his shooting percentage, 16.7. This season, down a little, but still 15.5%. Upping your shots that much and not losing very much on your shooting percentage? Yeah. That, that's clear. Like, that's why he had such a great season. Elias Pedersen last season in 80 games, 102 points. 40 goals, 62 assists, 102 points. Wow. Like, that's a surprise, right? I did not see Pedersen eclipsing the 100 point mark. It, it just wasn't in the range of outcomes for me personally. I thought. Point-of-game player, Patterson, sure, that I liked that. And I thought that was reasonable. And I thought he would have to really, you know, things would have to go right for him to achieve that. But bang, he he clearly um, figured some stuff out this last season. I just have reason to believe that what we saw last season is sustainable. I mentioned his shooting percentage. Um, so at even strength in particular, it was, it's been consistent throughout his career. And I think he may have room to grow slightly there. Um, his IPP, though, that was elite that is something that might come down a bit like petterson he was at 86% in 80 games ipp individual po- uh, points percentage right so uh, that's that's just that's probably the best in the league or you know that that's top 10 in the league for sure everything was going through petterson he was driving play and he also rocked it shorthanded as well he he led the league in shorthanded points uh, tied for league league sorry with um, his teammate jt miller so honestly, it's a player I'm excited about next season. I expect, you know, I expected a decent season from Petey, but I did not expect the 100 points as I said. This upcoming season to me sounds like, you know, new head coach Rick Talkett doesn't want to use his first liners playing the power play or sorry, the penalty kill. So we could see his ice time fall a little bit from his career high 20 minutes and 33 seconds that he saw last season. I think it's going to fall down to probably, you know, the 19 minute mark. Um, and I think that's more than enough for him to keep producing at probably a 90-point pace, in my opinion. One thing about Pedersen, too. Like, this is a player I'm familiar with, obviously, and the stats don't tell the whole story. He's all over the puck when he's out there. And he's so responsible defensively. He really wants to win. He's a He's a crazy competitor. It's just he appears to have all the intangibles... Uh, in my mind, to be a very successful player in this league. And, and like I said, he just really wants to win. He's a player I'm comfortable with, for sure. And I think he's definitely going to be drafted higher than his ADP on Yahoo last season. 52 average draft position. Yeah, no, you're not getting Pedersen at 52 unless you're in a clown league. All right, he's going to be probably a second rounder, I think, maybe early third And of course, now we as Canucks fans expect this of him every season and he'll probably bomb for some unknown reason or some weird thing. You know, something's going to fall out of the sky onto this man's head. But no doubt about it, I am ready to get hurt again. All right. Petey, uh, I have him projected as well because of course I got to do my boys. I have him projected for 92 points next season at around 19 minutes time on ice. And I like that. I feel very comfortable with Pedersen at 92 points. You know, if if the luck metrics stay, you know, as high as they were, he could, pro- he could maybe do 100 again. But I think we have to take into account that those will probably regress a little bit. I still think 92 points. Very reasonable for this man. Book it. Book the hell out of it. I love you, Petey. Thank you for your service. All right, last man, we got to talk about Linus Olmark. My of the Boston Bruins. Yeah, what a season Boston had uh, in general, but in particular, Linus Allmark, sheesh. All right. How about this? Like, you know, when's the last time you looked at Linus Allmark's statistics for this last season? Well, you should, because this is obscene. He only played 49 games, so not even workhorse n- numbers. He had 40 wins in 49 games, only six losses, one overtime loss, and two shootout losses. Oh my God. Like, that, that's Unbelievable. That's unbelievable. He he led the league in goals against average. He led the league in save percentage. He led the league in goals saved above average. Um, You know it's a special season for Linus Allmark, and you know there's a few reasons why. Like Boston definitely had a good defensive environment for their goalies to thrive, right? Uh, Jeremy Swayman, Linus Allmark. They Boston was top ten in a lot of different defensive metrics. Oh, people can come up with statistics to prove anything, Kent. 40% of all people know that. So they were eighth overall in Corsi against per 60, so limiting shots. They were eighth overall in shots against, so actually shots, not just pucks towards the net. They were third overall in expected goals against per 60, so like lowest expected goals against. And they were number one overall in save percentage, right, with Swayman and Olmark. I just, like, digging into Boston, you're like, oh, my God. They also led the league in high danger save percentage. So not only was it a good environment for Olmark and Swayman to succeed, but they were also making the most saves on the best chances. So that's that's kind of a luck stat as well. Like, I mean, that's not something we can rely on, them to just – you know, all those big saves that they made. It's not just easy, like, I'm in good position saves. It's like they're making saves on the highest danger chances, right? Leading the league in that. And as I said, Omar also led the league in goals saved above average with a ridiculous 48.87. That basically means he saved 48 goals more than what the average NHL goaltender did based on the statistics. Sheesh. Obviously, it was an epic season, uh, and uh, quite a surprise. Olmark, I drafted him in two leagues last season at like 200. I, I, I ended up doing zero G in a couple leagues, um, you know, or in, the, in two leagues in particular, where I ended up picking Swayman as my first goalie, you know, in, in around round 10. And then I would, I would get Olmark later on. So I would have the tandem. And I had those on two different teams and I got Olmark at 200 or over. This man had 40 wins in 49 games. That's stupid. That is just stupid. So it was an epic season, but it was not sustainable. Everything went right, and you have to tip your cap to that. You really do. And I do think that he broke through a little bit, and we can expect a much more consistent player after this season, Linus Olmark, but not to this level, right? Not to mention Boston is potentially losing big pieces of their team and have already lost other pieces. How about Bergeron? Archer your burger? He's going to be retiring most likely. The, the retirement decision is still looming. David Krejci. Ew, David. Moving on as well. Plus the loss of Tyler Bertuzzi, Taylor Hall, Dmitri Orlov. It's a different team now. Still a good team, in my opinion, but not even close to the heights they reached last season. So, you know... Uh, Linus Allmark, it's, it's, it's a season for the ages. Plus, he scored a goal. This dingus scored a goal against the Canucks. Oh, man, that's what you call salt in the wound. All right, but uh, yeah, it's its a nice story for sure. Allmark and Swayman, I think they're good to go next season. They'll probably be similar type of uh, split, right? Um, Allmark ended up getting a lot of the, the lion's share of the work, or at least the, more of the share of the work than Jeremy Swayman because Swayman was injured at one point in the season. So I'm not even sure if Omar gets, uh, you know, 49 games as opposed to Swayman's games, right? It might it might even be reversed, but I, I don't know how you do that after this amazing season from Omar. So it's going to be interesting times in Boston, you know, a bit of uh, upheaval there. I would like to see Bergeron come back. I've actually, um, I'm in a dynasty league and I drafted Bergeron really late um, with one of my picks, just hoping that he comes back because obviously he's a he's a monster for fantasy, but yeah, I don't know. I I took a chance. All right, come on, Bergie. Help me up. Um, But that's it. That is 10 players. That's 10 surprising players. What do you say? Oh, my God. Um, So as I said, please uh, let me know what you think of this list. Let me know what you think of these 10 players. Get on my Twitter, at me. Um, Definitely go check out all those uh, things I mentioned, the the Discord, the Apples and Genos Discord, applesandgenos.com website. Get your biscuits on there. Nate has a Patreon. You should probably be in there. Just lots of stuff going up. We're just starting to ramp up for the off season. We're gonna be doing tons of stuff. I'm really excited, and I'm so grateful to be here on the Apples and Genos feed, giving you guys all um, this content. So thanks for having me. I'm excited. I'm gonna do another episode soon, and keep an eye out. I'm gonna be guesting on the Fantasy Hockey Hacks web. Uh, sorry, the Fantasy Hockey Hacks podcast i'm going to be guesting on that tonight and i think that'll probably come out tomorrow so keep an ear out for that i also just did an episode with the locked on fantasy hockey podcast boys that's posted on their feed and i think they have it on youtube as well so definitely go check that out thank you so much for listening everybody we'll talk to you soon celebrate your day bye for now a rational explanation is hardly necessary necessary,